Hi, everybody. This is Adriana Trajani. I'm the host of You Are What You Read. I have the privilege of interviewing luminaries of our times about the books that shaped them from childhood until now. We get everybody from Sarah Jessica Parker to Kristen Hanna, Mitch Albom, Susie Essman, Craig Ferguson, Rain Wilson, Amor Tolls, you name it, they come, they share. New episodes of You Are What You Read drop every Tuesday on Apple, Spotify, or any major streaming platform wherever you listen to your podcasts. Good morning, everyone, and welcome to the 8 o'clock hour of Jason and Alexis in the morning on My Talk with seven one. Everything entertainment, everything, everything else. I'm Jason Matheson along with Alexis Thompson, Don McLean, and Kitty. That's right. Oh, thank you for being here. As we wake yes. up to a sunny day, it's going to yeah, be hot, right. hot, 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 mm-hmm. very, very hot. Not as hot as yesterday, but still. Kenny said yesterday is 143 degrees outside. <laughs> Woo, Today steamy. it's going to be 112. Woo. That's right. Uh, let's get right into it. Uh, he is the gentleman uh, that began this broadcast in this time slot uh, uh, when my talk 107.1 was FM 107. Uh, and uh, since then, uh, the quality of this uh, time slot has gone down precipitously every yeah. year. Uh, joining, <laughs> <laughs> returning to the my talk airwaves, please welcome our good friend Ian Punnett. Good morning, Ian. Well, it's nice of y'all to have me back. I've- Sitting here oh, in bed yeah. with Miss Marjorie kissing, so it works out. Oh, 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 oh. <laughs> yeah, hot. Well, well, we didn't expect that right away. Well, that's fantastic. <laughs> well, well, don't worry. Our our old da- our dog Jack is monitoring the event, so okay. don't worry. Everything's okay. Oh, but... oh nice. <laughs> yeah. Well, I, you know, I, I just, first of all, uh, much gratitude for you. I, I told the listeners that uh, without hesitation, you agreed to, to come back on. And I just thought, oh, please, I, I, I just thought, you know, we needed to hear your voice. I, 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 I thought the, the people listening needed to hear not just talking heads, uh, you know, uh, but they needed to hear people they trusted. And people trusted you for many years in this time slot. And you're a wise, wise person. <laughs> and, Old man. No, you are. I mean, you're, you're wise. <laughs> I, I just thought you were a yeah, voice. A professor, a man of faith. Yes, that you're a voice that people needed to hear right now. And Teacher. What are, you, what are you thinking, Ian? I mean, it's a broad question, but w- no, no. what are you thinking? You know, I, what I've been very focused on recently is that the, what we're in the middle of is a process that we have not experienced as a generation or as several generations, Gen Z, millennials, boomers, and whoever those Gen X people were who get lost in the mix of this all the time. Um, we, we haven't been through this before. And it, so it's new to us, but not new to the world. Um, and so I was reflecting on places that have gone through this more recently, this kind of um, uh, major break at several levels of society and a sense of despair that people have been feeling over both the pain that was being caused and then the pain that was being expressed. And so I've been thinking a lot about reconciliation, not that I'm trying to hurry along the process of people still being heard, but I I keep wondering how are we going to handle the repair? And that in in thinking about the repair, it actually reflects back on the failures that 
have led up to this moment because we've had other chances to to fix things at a at a smaller level until we had this just obviously major expression of just anguish and fear and so i started thinking about this um it was a very famous paper that was presented at, at after the fall of apartheid it was from the the truth and reconciliation commission that was set up after apartheid was dismantled in south africa and i i had a couple of observations from that if uh if you wanted to yeah. hear Absolutely. a couple of bullet points yes well so because i think from when we talk about truth and reconciliation you know we can only get reconciliation after truth and truth means a lot of self-examination and it means admitting our failures while also trying to pull together from that our strength to move forward and there's going to be a lot of communities that still have yet to express themselves this is not over um and but i think this is important that justice must never be sacrificed or overlooked for the sake of peace so in many ways why we are where we are is because we've been kicking the can of justice down the road for too long in too many places and when people say get over it i think that only feels good to the person who wants to either go back to an imagined past when they were unaware of or were empowered to not care about the pain of others or they want to fast forward ahead to a time when they can say get over it because that means they no longer have to be bothered hearing about somebody else's pain or is it and, Ian may I ask is it also the fear yeah. of, is it also the fear subconscious or conscious of losing the privilege that advantage that oh, has totally. an advantage towards you well that's the thing it, yeah. it's a mirror yeah, it's a it's a mirror to us right now of who we are and where are we going, and that is very scary for some people, and that's part of what true re- reconciliation can mean is that we 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 must always be working toward justice because we just have to realize we're human, and so our responses to violence are incomplete, they're usually inadequate, and so we must. We'll never be able to rest and say we achieved justice. We just must always be seeking it without bitterness for what we, you know, perceived what we might be losing. You know, white white people and the majority of the culture will just say that it, you can't, we can't grant justice. You know, our founding fathers said justice is a God given right. So we should never think of ourselves as being able to gift justice merely apologize maybe sometimes for being hoarders of it Mm. and i think this this is where we get to a point of what could kill true reconciliation and why we need to think about how are we going to move forward and i think we we have to be careful to not treat reconciliation as a hasty piece because that never works um, we can't put it on a timeline. We can't say it's got to be molded to fit a primary political season or a general election. Um, it can't be a managed process. Like we're painting footsteps on the floor to teach each other how to dance or something. It, it can't do, it's going to be messy. It, it may take a lot longer than anybody wants, but if we really want it, we won't just get reconciliation. I think someday if we truly try to do this authentically and we listen to people more than we speak, we'll achieve a new level of liberation 
for all of us. Wow. Are you optimistic? Are you optimistic about the potential of reconciliation? The 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 getting to that point? Are you optimistic that we as a society can get there, get close to there even? I'm always optimistic. Yeah. And we we must we must never allow cynicism to pass for wisdom. So true. Ever. Because if we do, we're doomed. We have to be optimistic. If you're not optimistic, you're not moving forward. And if we're moving backward, then we stay in this place forever. So this is what I, I think that we have to practice reconciliation at a micro level, maybe for a while. We have to get used to that idea of what it means to reconcile. We say reconcile, what does that mean? Well, it means, it doesn't mean that we're going to see exactly the same thing. That's impossible. But we can see things com- in a compatible way. And that's what reconciliation means. It means that we can see things together in a compatible way because compatibility will be an achievement in itself. Compatibility leads to dialogue. And dialogue with true compassion can lead to healing. And that it doesn't mean we won't have scars. We'll always have scars. And some people's scars are going to be way bigger than others. But healing is possible. It's just, it's going to take a while. And it's going to take truth and honesty. And do you think that, why do you think that this time when it's happened, because as we've seen in this country in the past for, you know, upwards of 10 years, these and and even a longer history of violence against black people before this. Why do you think this time people will change? And and this is the time where where real things will start to move in the right direction. Why is this time different? Because I just think the stark contrast of what we were watching. Mm, yes just could not have been clearer. Mm. There was no ambiguity to what was happening. Right. And the, the, the police officers were not just seemingly oblivious to the cries of the people that they're there to serve and protect, but it seemed to bring out the worst in the people that were administering this curbside justice that they were entitled Mm. to do this. And I think it was staring that entitlement in the face with that officer that just stared right at the camera with his back straight, basically daring anybody to try to stop him. I think that's what forced this, Mm -hmm. even with a very few exceptions, I think everybody sees how wrong that is. And that's why, I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm charmed by the police officers that have been taking a knee with other protesters. Right. Can you imagine that a month ago? No. No. That would have been highly controversial. That would have been unheard of. That would have, no. Look look how that pivots all on the knee. When Colin Kaepernick took a knee in peaceful protest, he was vilified. Right. Right? And now... He's not working now. Well, true, but that can always change and should. I mean, the NFL, you may see, offers some massive apology, 
because it, he was doing the kind of protests that even the most ardent supporters of the police wish everybody were doing. You know, just, hey, make, make it peaceful, make it symbolic. And that's exactly what he was doing. Um, so I think that's where I, I turn. I say it all turned on the knee. What became a horrible thing, them, him putting a knee on the neck of George Floyd has become taking a, a knee in peace. And I, I'm, that's a kind of symbolism it's hard to ignore. Ian, can you, stick then, around, can you stick around another segment, my friend? I'll do whatever you want. You know that. Perfect. <laughs> Thanks, Ian. Uh, we're going to take a break. We'll be back with more with Ian Punnett right after these words. Welcome back, everybody. Jason and Alexis in the morning on My Talk 1071. Everything entertainment, everything, everything else. I'm Jace with Lex, Dawn, and Kenny. Uh, the Dirt Alert will return tomorrow at its regularly scheduled time, along with our buddy Elizabeth Reese. But speaking of buddies and friends, our dear friend, uh, Mr. Ian Punnett, joins us uh, to continue uh, a great conversation. Uh, Ian is uh, laying in bed right now with his wife, uh, Marjorie. Uh, Ian, uh, is Marjorie right there still? Yeah, she's grabbing her heart because you said the word Kenny. Oh, oh, well, oh. Uh, do you want to, can you, can Marjorie talk Hi, Marjorie. to us real quick? Can you, can you put the Marjorie hey. on real quick? Hi, everybody. Hi, Marjorie. Hey. Marjorie, Kenny's, Kenny's here, Marjorie. Kenny. Hi, Marjorie. Hi, Kenny. I don't, I don't miss that guy you married, but boy, I sure do miss you. <laughs> Oh, tell me you don't miss me every time you say the farmer's insurance tag when it comes time to doing a sponsor. Who else is there for you? Uh, who had your back on? You. A little jingle. Yeah. Miss you yeah. all. We miss, well, we miss you, too. We miss you. Thank you for doing this segment in bed, Marjorie. It makes it, uh, it, makes it 72% better. There you go. <laughs> um, well, thanks for having us. Oh no, thanks for Aww. thanks for being here, and we, we just really appreciate it. In times like this, I mean, I know I hear from journalists that are sidelined for for this reason or that reason. You you want to be in the middle of it. I, I was thinking about this as a broadcaster and as a broadcaster that spent many years here in Minnesota. Uh, do you miss being on the air here at, at times like this? all these crazy alien stories? Can't be true, can they? Hey, Stephen Diener hosted the unidentified alien podcast and whether you're new to the conversation or have been looking into it for years you need to check out the fastest growing alien show out there the unidentified alien podcast or uap for short there's a crazy amount of alien encounter stories out there from all over the world and the beauty of it is that i bring them all to you and let you decide what you believe download and subscribe to uap on any of the major podcasting platforms and you can also find it on uappodcast.com this i i know everything's in such great hands no Oh. Uh, if I thought for a second that somebody wasn't doing their job or doing it better than I could have done, yes. But I don't feel that way. I think you're all doing a great job, and it's you're the perfect people to be in place at a, at an imperfect time. And I think, I mean, we we watched the news reports from the Twin Cities, and, uh, you know, I, I think uh, it, it's hard to watch. It's hard to see Lake Street on fire. It was hard to see, to know the people that we love, like Elizabeth, uh, Reese obviously was lived not you know that far away from it, and, mm-hmm. and you know all the people that we are concerned about. Um, but I, yeah, I mean, no, I kind of feel like that when it comes to media, the Twin Cities was the best place for this to happen because you all would be doing the best job with it. Oh, thank you. 
I mean that. I absolutely mean that. Never thought a second about it. Even Kenny, uh, Ian, even Kenny, <laughs> even Kenny. I mean, let me just say, I was surprised to see he was still there. That's <laughs> oh, you, you That's missed it. I, I was that. gone. I was gone for a year. <laughs> yeah, believe me. I, they tried to get rid I, of I him to, for a while. Yeah, I had to beg no. my way back in the door. <laughs> Ian, a moment of levity. What you don't know is, uh, uh, Kenny, Kenny, and Stephanie Hansen have turned into Bernstein and Woodward. I mean, they were tweeting up a storm, Ian. Oh, I know. I, yeah, I, you know, it's funny. And Kenny, I should have been following you. I was getting um, that from from Steph, and I was really interested in how well she was handling it i thought it was i enjoyed both her observations and her insights yeah <laughs> it was uh, really surreal to be this close oh, to all of it there were just so many shots and so much drama ian i do have a serious question for you uh, it's something i've been thinking about quite a bit how do the the good cops the great wonderful police that are yes. working on the minneapolis force how do they deal with this? Uh, I can't think of any advice I'd tell them to to root out the bad officers and get the bad o- out, and then it still be proud and still be still want to do the job. Uh, I, I wish I could tell them how, how or give them advice or encouragement. I just don't. I'm at a loss for words. Well, it, this is a you know obviously a process. It can't be done in one moment. It can't, but it, it should be. Uh, the kind of thing everybody will want to be a part of is the raising of standards. And those people who don't want to raise their standards of behavior, and I think there was some real concern that they were presented with reforms at the at the Federation level, at the police union level, and they pushed them away. And I think this is where you have to look at the leadership of that, and you have to say uh, both as police officers, but also as a rank and file with a strong sense of identity within themselves, that the right ones need to rise to the top now and that the other method has had its day. But now we need to think about what those reforms were that would have prevented this in the first place. Ian, we're going to be selfish here. We're up against the clock. Uh, If I send you, if I send you a dozen biscuits, uh, can (laughs) can you stay one more segment? I, I literally, I literally oh. do anything for you. And because of COVID, oh. I'm teaching everything from home. Mm. So, I mean, I have two summer school classes I'm teaching, and I, I will be here sitting in my bed two hours from now um, grading exams that are due by, you know, this Friday. So no problem. I'm here for you whenever you need it. Perfect. Awesome. We're going to take a, a small break, uh, and our conversation with Ian Pundit continues. Don't forget, you can listen to us, uh, this podcast, a little bit later at mytalk1071.com if you missed any part of this conversation or the whole broadcast. We will be back following these messages. More with our friend Ian Punnett in just a little bit. Welcome back. Jason and Alexis in the morning on My Talk 1071 and streaming around the world at MyTalk1071.com and on every home device, even the ones that are spying on Alexis. It is uh, coming up on 832 Where? right now, though. Oh, no. All of them, Alexis. I put one in your living room. <gasps> Matt Belanger's here from 5 Eyewitness News with the latest headlines. Good morning again, Matt. 
Hey, good morning, everyone. Yes, uh, the latest update here is it was another relatively calm night across the Twin Cities. Now, of course, what we're watching across the country, uh, we've seen clashes with uh, law enforcement and demonstrators and some violence in other areas. But here at home in Minnesota, it's relatively calm. People are still gathering overnight at 38th and Chicago there in South Minneapolis. And just minutes ago, Governor Tim Walls did uh, stop by that location and uh, pay his respects. Uh, That, of course, being the location where George Floyd died in Minneapolis police custody more than a week ago now. It was on Memorial Day. Two big headlines to pass along for you this morning. One, we're learning details about the memorial service planned in Minnesota for George Floyd. It's going to be at North Central University tomorrow afternoon from 1 to 3. It's our understanding the Reverend Al Sharpton will deliver the eulogy. Uh, we believe former Vice President and the Democratic presidential uh, contender here, Joe Biden, uh, presumptive nominee, is going to uh, attend that, as well as perhaps former President Barack Obama as well. And so uh, we'll we'll keep updating that and uh, bring you those confirmed details as we learn. But again, tomorrow afternoon is going to be a big moment of healing here. And the second big headline is the state has launched this unprecedented investigation into the Minneapolis Police Department. Now it's going to look back 10 years looking for evidence of systemic racism and if that contributed to discrimination by the department against people of color. Um, the state says this this investigation is going to have teeth. If they're going to have power with the courts on their side to order changes within the police department. Some of those changes will be fast. Some of them will take time, uh, but they are promising results. And they're also asking the public if they have any information that could help in that investigation into MPD to call or submit uh, that information online. And we have everything you need to know for that, if you'd like to, at KSTP.com, guys. Thank you, Matt Belanger. Thank Matt Belanger, uh, 5 Eyewitness News, latest headlines, 24 hours a day at KSTP.com. Now more with our friend Ian Punnett, uh, who joins us. Uh, good morning again, Ian. Good morning. That guy's really good. He's, that was nice. He's very, very good. Mm-hmm. So is Alexis, right, Alexis? I try. I, yeah. I really do. Knows how, what I feel about her. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> feelings mutual, Ian. I love you. Mm. You too. I, uh, I, I really have, in that first segment, you said something about truth and reconciliation and to really focus on that truth and not having a timeline. And, you know, I think there's a lot of people, and me included, who's like, I'm a good person. I'm a person of faith. I, I, uh, I I do the right things, and there are these realizations, these uncomfortable truths that, you know, really came have been coming out, or we either knew they were there, or uh, just things like, oh, I I had no idea. Do you feel like this? And you're very hopeful, which I am too, absolutely. That there's an awakening that's happening, and what might hold us back from saying something or doing something? Well, you know, I think that there are very interesting generational issues too in play and so much of our leadership is older than the people that they're leading and i uh, i think we can see that perhaps similar to what things were like in the 60s that it 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 may be time for a new generation of leaders and for people who think uh less like preserve that it's important to preserve the old ways or that old systems are just need a little tweaking here or there, and, and it'll always carry us through. It, it may be time for a total overhaul. And in fact, the the kinds of processes that we see in nature may be what we're going through right now as a country, that it, a kind of metamorphosis. Yeah. And that that period of time, it's, you know, when, when a creature is going through metamorphosis, that's when they're at their most vulnerable. 
you know, if, if there if there's a chrysalis, if if something is shedding its skin, if it's if it's growing, that tends to be the time when it can't move well, and it 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 it, it, it will be better after the process is over. And I think we will too. But we are in the middle of that uncomfortable time. And I, I turn to that is uh, that there, there is another there's another side to this. There, there will be another time when we will look back on it. We can only decide whether we're going to look back on it and go, OK, this time we really did make progress. Or we look back on it and go, well, thank God that's over. And, and let's get back to the way things were before covid, before, you know, back to some time we imagined a more perfect past. And I, I don't think we ever can. So, I, I mean, I hope that we embrace future leaders, and I hope that the people who are in power now realize it may be time for them to, to loosen their grip on how things are done. And within the police department, uh, Ian, because uh, I've been thinking about this myself, what could they do? You know, it, do, should they form a task force? Do you have any ideas as for, uh, you know, because it's not like they can just go around and interview all the cops and say, tell us, are you racist? Do you have racist? Right. And then go, well, you're out of here. I mean, they're obviously not going to be honest about that. I'm sure pulling up people's records would help and see which ones, because as we all know, the officer who committed this crime, uh, he had 18 prior incidents against him. Would it be right. uh, from hiring to looking at what is happening now? Do you have any type of idea or a start for what they could do? Currently, organizational change is always better from the bottom up. Mm, yeah, it's it's, oh. it's always more effective from the bottom up. And when it comes from the top down, it, it, it you know I'm not saying it can't be successful, uh, but this this is a time when you know police officers are are not in agreement across the country. Some are aghast when they saw an officer taking a knee. Yeah. Others just thought it was the worst thing possible for them to say, I, I want to walk with you. But imagine where we would be right now if the Minneapolis Police Department didn't think of itself kind of at war with mm. the people that they're also trying to supposedly protect and serve. Yeah. And I think that, that that's an organizational yeah. change right there, just to stop thinking about it philosophically as something that they're against and instead think about it that of what they're there what their mission is is to be for that's a really good point so you're saying it's going to take the officers themselves and not without a doubt yeah and not necessarily no thinks they're racist right I mean, exactly nobody, yeah my, my grandmother used to say the most awful things she didn't think of herself as racist and mm -hmm. she was but she couldn't stop herself from saying those things but that was her worldview and she would she had an echo effect around her that always reaffirmed her. And I think that's what happens often when we get into, you know, all the people wearing the same uniform is it, it creates a giant echo effect. Mm -hmm. And I, I, I don't think underfunding the police department is the answer. I think that's a, I, to me, that doesn't seem like the way to go, um, which is what some people are calling for is less money to the police, almost to sort of starve it out. That, oh. that, that would have its own consequences. Yeah, so I, I just think yeah. organizational change has to start from the bottom up and, and leaders, new leaders need to emerge mm. from, from the rank and file and, and move up toward the top. Um, I, I hope that's what happens. Great. Ian Punnett is our uh, guest this hour. Ian, before we uh, we say goodbye and, and wrap things up on a lighter note, uh, uh, what do you guys, for people who don't know or don't follow you on social media, 
what what are you guys doing? Tell us a little bit about uh, yeah, are how are you doing just in general? Well, you know, I've always had an award-winning wife. Um, yes. But now I have an M- I have an Emmy award winning wife. Yes, Emmy award winning wife. Yes, yeah. and uh, so she continues. Marjorie continues her great work for Arizona PBS. She splits her time between here in Manhattan, Kansas, where I teach at Kansas State, and uh, in uh, Phoenix, where uh, she is showing them how it's done. Working with a great crew of people and putting on terrific TV. So it's it's the the one upside for COVID was that since they shut down the studios there, she's been here this entire time. So three months together has been Aww. wonderful. Oh, you're um, so sweet. <laughs> yeah, because no, you guys no, have uh, I, your yeah, relationship's I mean, it's, always I, been I, like I that. I secretly kind of want this to continue. For a yeah, <laughs> I know that we need to get into that part where we're all immune or whatever. But I, I part of me doesn't rush that along. Mm. Um, and uh, and we, but we're we're flourishing. Our boys are well. Itchy and Scratchy are outperforming. I was, and, uh, I was just going to ask how Crunch yes. and Munch are. How are, how are they <laughs> doing? Yeah. <laughs> Coming up on, on 29 and 27. No! Wow. wow. Yep. Oh, my. And, uh, oh, Marjorie just heard me know. scream. No! <laughs> I know. 29 and 27. They both have their master's degrees. And recently... Um, uh, they both uh, are working toward new things, but our older one was even, he's part of a startup organization in Chicago, which had just been praised by the mayor of Chicago just before all of this broke, uh, because uh, the group that he's working with, the startup he's working with, is solving the PPE problem in uh, in Chicago uh-huh. and providing a, creating a marketplace, a computer marketplace for masks and gloves and stuff. Of course he is. Wow. Why, why, why would we expect anything yeah. different? Mm, so We're cool. very proud of both of them. Yeah. Oh, is that itchy or scratchy that's doing that? <laughs> that's uh, that scratchy. Itchy just got his master's in sociology, and he's looking at getting uh, another uh, graduate degree in uh, therapy. And he's, he's thinking oh. about becoming a therapist. At a time, I think we could all use Yeah, I was going to say, yeah. yeah. Where's now? Where's Marjorie's Emmy? Do you guys have that in the bathroom? Are you looking at it now? Where's Marjorie's Emmy? You have to be specific. Which Emmy are you talking about? Oh, oh. I don't know. Number yeah. two. I'll take number two. Where's number two? So the second one is here in Kansas, next to the TV, and the other one is there in uh, in, in in Phoenix. So. Oh. She uh, she has enough that uh, she can spread them around the country. <laughs> of course she does. Of course she does. Nice, Marjorie. We would expect Aww. nothing else. Well, uh, exactly. Ian, I I can't uh, I can't. You're all so cute. I'm just sitting here listening, and you're all so cute. Oh, well, you're so cute. <laughs> Kenny, I just love hearing less. Thanks for having us back on. You know, her, her podcast continues to do well, too. So she's, yeah. she's rocking it on yeah, every best platform. Best of the best. It's all the boring stuff. I just love, I love hearing all your voices. And we should, we should talk under different circumstances. And she, also, she also beat Bobby Flay. Yes. I'm going to say that. <laughs> <laughs> the episode hasn't aired yet, but she beat Bobby oh, Flay. Oh, yes. great. It yes. never happen. No, you the didn't. listeners say, no, I know nothing about the kitchen so it's very ironic that i produce food tv thanks for having us on <laughs> guys thank you so much I'm, this has oh. just been a treat and uh we appreciate your generous uh, being generous with your time and yes. uh, and your wise words uh thank you guys yes. so much 
Thank you for letting me fumble through that and say the things that I'm thinking in my heart, even if I didn't say them as clearly as I would have liked to have. I hope the no. true meaning comes out. No, the, the mm. truth is your fumbling yeah. is better wow. than our best days. Yes, so absolutely. there we go. Yeah, there we go. <laughs> Ian Punnett, everybody, and Marjorie Punnett, thank you guys so much. Uh, if you Bye. missed any part of this we conversation, if you missed any Day part. Tamat. Bye, guys. If you missed any part of this conversation, you can hear it on the podcast a little bit later today.